You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How's everybody doing today? You good? Good to be in the house of the Lord, is it not? Hey, can you, can you help me welcome the campuses? Got Garner Campus, got Pastor Derek and Cindy Mull over in the Garner Campus. Today, we got Pastor Josh and Brittany in the Sanford Campus. Come on, give it up. Pastor Keith and Katie in the Hillsboro Campus. We got the Kenya Campus, but we got Pastor Moses, who's here in Durham with us in the house. Come on, welcome to Durham Campus. Welcome to Durham Campus. And for those of you who are online, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, uh, does anybody else here uh, really enjoy the Olympics? The Olympics. Yeah, yeah, like I love the Olympics, but something was off this year. It just, it just kind of seemed like a little bleep on the radar screen, if you know what I mean. But, but I still watch it. I still would ask my kids to turn the, the television from their channel to the Olympics. I'm like, dude, it only comes around once every four years. I absolutely love the Olympics. And so this year, I started asking myself this question, why do you like it so much? Besides the fact when I was a kid, we always watched it as a family. Why? Why do you like it so much, Benji? And I started thinking about that a little bit, and I came to the realization that I love the Olympics because the athletes train so very hard and they're disciplined. When we look at people in the Olympics, sometimes we have this tendency, if you're not careful, you'll do this. You just think, you know what, they're just so talented. They're just so naturally talented. But if you dig in, and you really study the folks, they're all talented and elite. What is it that allows some folks to get on the podium and win the silver or the bronze or the gold medal? What, what is it? And I've decided that it's discipline. I've decided that it's work ethic. Write this down if you're a note taker, type it on your phone or whatever the case may be. Success is less about talent and what? More so about discipline. Why don't you say that with me? Success is less about talent and more so about... Now, come on. Can we just be honest? Not everybody gets really excited about the word discipline. I mean, come on. I, you, I can feel it in the room. Like, oh, discipline. But it doesn't change the fact that success is more about, less about talent and more about Discipline. Let me give you an example from this year's Olympics. Let me get a show of hands. How many of you watched the Olympics? Y'all watched some of it this year? Okay, still a lot of us, but it just seemed like it was just kind of passed right over this year. These are some hard names to pronounce, but I think I'll, I'll get them right. I tried to anyway. Leah Kiyum, Leah Kiyum, great he headline for this young lady. Listen, she was favored by all possible scenarios. She was the most talented, and she was favored in the women's weightlifting by unbelievable margins. But I want you to meet this person, Heidelin. Heidelin Diaz from the Philippines. Now check this out. The Philippines was one of the hardest hit countries in the world last year with COVID. All their gyms shut down. Plus, they have competed in every Olympic Games since 1924. But check this out. The Philippines has never, ever, ever won a medal in this particular sport. So how in the world did we see this amazing upset this year? 
as Heidelin won not silver or bronze, but she actually won gold. You know how? Discipline and hard work. The gyms were shut down, but check this out. Here she is lifting weights with bamboo sticks and water jugs. She outworked everyone else. She was disciplined. And I would say it like this. Discipline demolishes talent in almost every area of life. Come on now. Discipline, somebody just said, woo! That's somebody who believes in discipline. Discipline demolishes talent in almost every area of life. Now in the New Testament, the apostle Paul was all about being disciplined. He was all about using Olympic athletic imagery. Check it out. In this time in history, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. In this time in, in history, when Paul is writing 1 Corinthians, there was not just one set of Olympic games, there were two. Of course, we know that the Olympics came around every four years. Any guesses where that was? Greece, right? But did you know that there was a second set of Olympic games that rolled around in between those four years, those quadrennium games, and that was held, any guesses where that was? Corinth, where we're reading this letter. In Corinth, and what was going on in Corinth was that the Christians had become, here's a key word for today, they had become complacent. And so the apostle Paul looks to Greece and the Olympics, looks to the Olympics that's going down in Corinth, and he uses that as language to teach the church, i.e. us, ecclesia, the importance of discipline. He's, he's trying to teach them, so it really fits well in the year 2021 as well. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. If you love the word of the Lord, can you say amen? Now, if you got your hard school, old school hard copy Bible in front of you, you will, you will probably notice on the top of this particular passage is a heading. It's not the scriptures. It's what the, it's what the interpreters put as heading above this particular passage. And mine says, and yours will probably say something similar, the need for self-discipline. The need for self-discipline. Verse 24, check it out. Do not... Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the what, church? Get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict, help me out, strict what? Training. Oh, you guys are with me. They do it to get a crown that will not last. So look at what Paul does. He juxtaposes the Olympic games and those runners to what we are about in the ecclesia. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last, how long? Forever. Therefore, everybody say therefore. I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Amen is right. So as I was studying this text this week, here, here's what I wrote in the margin of my Bible right by this particular passage. Run to win. Run to win. Everybody say that. Run to win. Really strong. Go. 
run to win. Paul is saying it matters how we run. It matters how we run this race called life. It matters how we run this race called Christianity. It matters how we engage the church. Paul is not doing what we do with some of our kids today. Oh, it's okay, honey. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. We're all going to get trophies at the end of the year. It's called participation trophy, honey. It's okay. It doesn't matter how you... Paul says, no. It matters how you run the race. And again, he's talking about our faith. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now we're in a series called Ecclesia. Everybody say Ecclesia. Some of you said it last week for the very first time. You're doing great. You're a bunch of Greek scholars now. Ecclesia. If you spell it with C, it's, it's the Greek. If you spell it with K, it's the Hebrew. Ecclesia. And you, you might recall from last week, I, I told you Ecclesia means church. Right? Here's the, here's the official definition of Ecclesia. It's a physical assembly or gathering of God's people with a shared mission and purpose. Come on, let, let's just read the definition out loud, go. What is it? It's a physical assembly or gathering of who? God's people with a shared mission and purpose. So, so if you don't mind, can I, just, can I just break it down and make it real personal for us today? Because like I said, this passage really fits uh, 2021 and us. If Christianity was an Olympic sport, hello, would you be Watching it online, can we welcome all of those who are online? We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. I wanna encourage you today because I'm gonna get up in your grill a little bit. I love you, I love you. But I wanna encourage you today, but I wanna challenge you today. Would you, would you be watching online? Would you be in the stands? Or would you be in the game running to win? If Christianity was an Olympic sport, would you be watching online? Would you be in the stands? Would you be running to win? Verse 26, you probably picked up on it earlier. Paul says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Paul says, I run to win. Now, again, he's not talking about a, a physical race. Like, how many of you have run like half marathons? Like half marathons? I, I've run three of them. Let me, tell you something, let me tell you something about when I run a half marathon. I don't run to win. <laughs> Are you with me? Like some of you run full marathon people, you, you don't run to win. What, you, you're like me. You do what? You, you run just to get across the finish line. Because I'm never going to win because there's always about 15, 20 of those Kenyans. Their legs are that long. And, and, and like when I'm starting and I get about a mile in, guess what they're doing? They're finishing. Normally you pass them. Like, I ain't running to win. But Paul is talking about the faith. He's talking about engagement in the church. And he says, when, when you're engaged in the church, when, you, when you're living out this Christian faith, you, you run to win. And it hit me really hard this week as I was working on this message. And it, several times it hit me. It's like, whoa, this stuff is really, really important. What I'm going to say to you today is really important. Far more important than you're probably realizing at this point in the message. 
But I'm hoping and praying that by the end of the message, you will, you will have a few, oh, wow, God moments like I did this week. And you realize this is really important. This is why Paul hit it head on. Can we just talk about the last 18 months? The last 18 months have been really, really hard. I know that. They've been hard for you. And they've been hard for those of you who are online and I want to encourage you today. They've been really hard and for most of us, it's just been flat out tough. Anyone else here, come on, let's just be honest, we're in the house of the Lord. And even if you're somewhere else, you're not in the house of the Lord, be honest. Anybody here just feel tired? Yeah, that's what I thought. Anybody else just worn out on all the division that we see in our world? Anybody just utterly exhausted by the violence that we see in our world? Anybody just worn out on all the division when it comes to things like masks versus no masks? Vaccinations versus no vaccinations? COVID-19, Delta variant, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson? Anybody just, just, just worn out with it all? Yeah, like stick a fork in me. I'm done. And maybe you're in your home today and you're scared and you're scared to come out and I, I wanna empathize with you. And maybe today you just can't make a commitment on some of the things that I'm about to talk about today, but you can make a commitment for tomorrow or a month from now or a couple months now when you feel comfortable. I don't wanna overly pressure anyone, but write this down or take a picture of this, just sear this in your mind. Becoming complacent in your spiritual life, faith journey is one of the most dangerous places for you to live. Oh my Lord. And what the last 18 months has done to all of us, me included at times, is complacency has set in. This is what Paul is coming at head on. The church in Corinth, they had grown complacent. They had grown stale in their faith. They weren't engaged like they should be engaged. So Paul says, run the race to win. Get back in the game. Complacency kills relationships. Complacency impacts mental health. Complacency impacts uh, vocational success, parenting, marriages, relationship. So this, this message matters tremendously. And I'm asking God to convict you as God has convicted me. What we're about to learn from Paul is so important. He says this, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Here, here's what God's been teaching me lately. And if it, if it fits for you, I sure hope it will again. Like I'm in this with you. You always know when I'm up here, I'm, I'm trying to teach you, but I'm teaching myself and I'm walking you through what I'm learning as well. If I'm not careful, complacency will negatively impact my church attendance. If I'm not careful, 
And by the way, since we don't do teaching notes anymore, I'm just so thrilled at how many of you now bring journals to church and you're writing in your Bible. That's good stuff. If I was sitting where you are, that's exactly what I would do and that's what I do when I go to church. I remember so much more when I write it down. If I'm not careful, complacency will negatively impact my what? My what? Church attendance. If there is one thing that Satan has done in the past 18 months with this pandemic is that he has gotten many of us out of the regular habit and discipline of weekly attending the gathering of the church called the ecclesia. And if that's you, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm, not, I am, I am on, I'm in your corner. Like I empathize with you. But this is really, really important. To get back in the greatest game going down on planet earth, namely the church. And you don't get to the winner's podium by being inconsistent in your training. Remember what I said to you last week, as your pastor, the campus pastors, all of the pastors and staff of this church, everybody who works at this church, we care about you. Like we wanna see you grow. We want to see you become the very best person you can be, vocationally, spiritually, physically, relationally. We care deeply about you. I was talking to one of my friends this week, and we were talking about excuses people give for not going to church in this day and age. And actually, these are excuses that, that go way back before COVID. But the truth is, I think this all kind of exasperated it all. And I was like, man, this is so, so important. Can I just give you four excuses? I'm going to hit these quick. Four excuses for complacency in, in ecclesia church attendance. Number one, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I just heard a collective, mm. you know that one, don't you? I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now hang with me on this because this is really, really important to think about it biblically. Salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. Can I get an amen from the church? It comes from faith in Christ alone. You and I don't do anything to earn salvation. Amen, praise God, hallelujah. Right? Look at what the Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Come on out loud, church, ready. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through what? And this is not from yourselves. It is the, it is the what? Gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Don't mishear me. I am not arguing with the most important tenet of Christianity. We are saved not by what we do, we are saved by what he has done in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I love it, church. I love it. We're not, we're, not, we're not confronting that. You are saved by faith in Christ alone. But this is not just about salvation. Again, remember, like I want to see you be the best person you can be. Heck, I want to be the best person I can be. Paul's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about life. He's talking about how to... Get out of life alive, if you will. It's a hard life. This is about what we do. And, and here's an important question. Oh my, this is an important question. What if, what if Satan's grand plan from the pandemic was to simply get you inconsistent in ecclesia church engagement so your faith and life would crumble? Mm. 
And, and, and most of the battle is just picking up on Satan's scheme. I'm convinced of it. I asked the question rhetorically, but I'm convinced of it. Satan's grand scheme in COVID was to get Christians, good-hearted, saved people, inconsistent in their ecclesia church engagement, and as a result, their faith and their life is starting to crumble. I've told you this before. You can be saved and have a jacked-up life. This is something serious to think about. There's no biblical model for thriving outside the church. Hello. Let me say that again. There's no biblical model for thriving as a Christian outside of the church. So what we want to do is we want to become like Jesus. That's what being a Christian is. We're saved through Christ and Christ alone, but we become like Christ. And did you know <laughs> that Jesus went to the synagogue daily? We know for sure weekly, but look at what Luke 4, 16 says out loud when it gets up there. Go. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went. What's those next two words? As usual. Some of your translations will say, as was his custom. He went, as was his custom, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to do what? Read the scriptures. We know he went weekly. That's the rhythm that the Bible teaches. God created you. God created me to be in the ecclesia community where you are needed and known. Where you are needed and known. Number two, I can do church on my own and it's just easier for me to attend online. Remember, I'm in the four excuses. Four excuses for complacency in church engagement. I can do church on my own and it's just easier to attend online. I've been wanting to say this a long time. This is not in my notes. Please, don't send me any more pictures of you in your PJs with your feet kicked up and a cup of coffee going, Pastor, love me some online church. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you're online. Please don't miss it. And listen, if you're states away or you don't live near a campus, we love our online community. Give them a strong amen. We love our online community. And if you're sick, that's, that's important. Or if you're like too frightening, like I said already, hey, just maybe this is a commitment for you to make in the future. I, I get all that. But, but the lie that we tell ourselves is, I can just do church on my own. And it's just easier to attend online. Remember the definition of ecclesia? Remember? It's a physical assembly. A what? Physical assembly or gathering of God's people with a what? Shared mission or purpose. Like, in the words of Aerosmith, baby, come together. <laughs> right now. Y'all know it. Right? Come on. Over me. Sister got it right there. Somebody like, Arrow who? You, you missed out. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, said, I said to us last week, and it's worth repeating. You can't say, I can't say I am the church. You can only say what? We are the church. We are the church. This is really, really important. Others of you are like, well, you know, I, 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 go, to, I, I go to the golf course on Sunday. I play golf to the glory and honor of God. I worship God on the golf course. That's my church, really? 
I've seen some of your golf swings. God, God's not pleased with you. <laughs> oh. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but listen, you cannot thrive as a Christian without the church. You can't. The goal of being a Christian isn't to get baptized, hello, check a box, and get your get out of hell free card. The goal of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus so that you can thrive in every area of your life. Now, if you're new, you're just checking out Christianity or you're from somewhere else, I get it, man. We are so grateful you are a part of the online community. But it's not enough on its own. Can I tell y'all a great story? We, uh, we just finished a rooted semester and um, there was a rooted group and this was a group of, of ladies, and they're, they're called Behold My Rooted Sisters. That's their, their, that's their, that's their life group. And they're, they're an online life group during the COVID season and all that. They were online there, but we had, we had a graduation uh, ceremony here at the Durham campus. And this group was scattered all over different states, but they had really had an incredible experience. Now, Deanna lived in Chicago, Quite a, quite a haul from North Carolina, if you know what I mean. And she had been having many hurdles to get to North Carolina for the graduation ceremony. Her life group leader, Kendra Holden, an amazing leader. So this is, this is Deanna on the bottom right. There's Kendra right beside her on the, on the top right here, top right-hand corner. Kendra was traveling, driving, and Kendra decided to go hours out of her way to go to Chicago pick up Deanna, drive her all the way to the Durham campus for the rooted graduation, and then drive her back. Come on now. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's someone who says, I'm not going to take an excuse. We need you here in person. And Kendra, I just want to say to you, as I've already said to you, well done. That is an amazing life group leader. Amen? Number three, number three, here's the, the next excuse that we make for not attending church. The kids have activities and sports on Sunday. The kids have activities and sports on Sunday. I want to talk to you for just a moment, parents. I am a sports fan. Some of you get tired of me talking about sports. I'm a sports fan. You know that. And I know the pressures that we all are facing with our kids and sports and all that kind of stuff. But can I just remind you that Proverbs 22, 6, great verse of scripture to put to memory if you're a parent. It says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart, what? From it. It's a promise from scripture. Train up a child in the way that they should go. Now, parents, I'm not going to harp on this too much. I just want to make a few preliminary comments. One day, our kids are going to leave home. And believe you me, it happens way too fast. They will remember what we trained them in. And when you miss church on a regular basis because of a sport that they are wanting to play, whether you like to admit it or not, you are teaching them that the sport is more important than God and his ecclesia. And you're not going to base your life on their schedule. That's what they want you to do. They won't tell you that. But they want you to base their life, your life, on their entire schedule. 
They want you to believe and live your life as if they are the center of the universe. Have you noticed this? That's just what kids do. Now, kids, I love you. Don't get mad at me, but I, this is what I teach. This is what I'm supposed to teach. Most kids need to realize they are not the center of the universe. Hello. Jesus Christ is at the center of it all. He is Lord. And I'm not knocking sports. I get it. I, I've coached my kids in all their sports. But this is really, really important. We just made a decision. You know what? We are never going to let anything, let alone sports, pull us away from God's ecclesia. Number four, we feel shame for what we've done and church feels uncomfortable. Oh my. Remember I'm talking about four excuses. Now this, this one I've actually really, really, this has moved me lately as I've talked to people and I've run into new hopers out there. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you feel this. Before COVID and we were all going to church on a regular basis, we were, we were growing spiritually and it, church helps us grow spiritually, helps us confess sin, helps us to receive forgiveness and grace and, and we're growing in Christ. When you take an 18 month period out of your life, for many folks, and you're not in church, and I know you might say, I go to online church. Let me tell you something about online church. Online church, it is so easy to take that little cursor and go right over there and if, if the sermon's not good or the preacher's preaching too long or the music's not good, what do you do? You just, Click, right, right? And when you take 18 months out of that, that, that regular rhythmic ecclesia routine, what happens is we start to descend in our spiritual journey. And then what happens is we start to live in more sin. And then what happens is because we're living in more sin and we're not active in the ecclesia, we start to feel very guilty. And then when we start to feel guilty, we then get into a vicious cycle of struggling more. And we struggle more, we feel what? More guilty. And we feel more guilty, when, as we feel more guilty, we feel more distant from the church. And as we feel more distance from the church, we then struggle, you, you, you see? It's a crazy cycle that hurts us. And so as I've run into some people, literally I've run into some people, and they've said, I wanted to come back, but I just, you don't want to know what I've been doing, Pastor. Or you don't know how we're struggling. I'm not even sure what I believe anymore. And I walk away from those conversations and I'm so heartbroken. And again, no judgment. Like, there's no judgment here because I've been where you are. But if you're not careful, Satan will use the guilt and the struggle to keep you away from that which you need the most. And that is the family of God and the word of God and the music of God preached and sung up in the house of God. Go back to Genesis, Genesis three. Remember Adam and Eve, remember? Remember in Genesis one, it was paradise. Life was good. God gave us choice. Don't ever blame God for all the junk going on in this world. God created paradise in the beginning. It was perfect, but he gave us choice. We blew it and jacked the world up. Remember as they did, they were living in sin and guilt and shame, which again, that's what we all do. If you're not careful, that cycle will take us down. But do you remember what happened in Genesis 3, 21? 
Look what the Bible says. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and what? Clothed them. God covered them. That's what he does when we fall short. That's what he does when we start drowning in shame and guilt. He, he covers us. If I'm not careful, complacency will negatively impact my church attendance. Can I hit one more? And it's gonna be so quick. And some of you are gonna be glad it's quick. If I'm not careful, complacency will negatively impact my generosity towards God's ecclesia. Look at what Paul says in the very same book, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Come on, let's read it out loud together. 16, 2, go. On the first day of every week, that's a Sunday, let's go. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Paul speaking to the same exact context in which he said, run to win. And this is the principle of the tithe. Some of you are real new to this whole concept of ecclesia. Check it out. God laid out a clear strategy to fund the ecclesia. And guess what? It wasn't car washes. It wasn't bake sales. It wasn't coupon books. The way God set up for his ecclesia to be funded, to lift high the light of Christ, push back the darkness, to change our corner of the world is through the tithe. So I wanna give you two challenges today as I end. Two challenges, points of application today. Number one, snap out of complacency especially with church ecclesia attendance. Snap out of complacency. Look at your neighbor. I know you don't like when I do this. Look at your neighbor and say, snap out of it. <laughs> snap out of it. Or, 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 this is, ooh, this is better yet. You'll enjoy this more, maybe. Go home and look in the mirror and tell yourself, it's time I snap out of it. It's time I snap out of it. When's the last time you looked into the mirror like for any length of time and just looked at yourself in the eye and talked to yourself? Snap out of it. It's time to snap out of the complacency of church attendance and be regular. The Bible says weekly, weekly you come to the house of the Lord Number two, return to the Lord's tithe to his ecclesia, the church. Return the Lord's tithe, apodicato, 10%. That's how you fund the church. People look at their income streams. They figure out 10%. They bring it to the Lord. They give online. You can give online. They do the black boxes. They send it in. It doesn't matter how you, we have all kinds of methods, but they return to, notice I say return to the Lord. Why do I say return? Because it belongs to him. Amen from those who understand what I'm talking about. Everything you have belongs to him. Return to the Lord, his tithe, to the glory and the fame of Jesus. Hey, we read a verse of scripture last week. I want you to stand to your feet today as we wrap up, and I want you to read this one verse from Isaiah, because this really does frame 
why this is so important. Isaiah 26, 8. You might want to put this one to memory. All of our campuses, really strong out loud, go. Your name and renown is the desire of our souls. Notice the plurality of it. We're in this together. One more time, go. Your name and renown is the desire of our souls. And the way he gets renown, the way he gets glory is when we live in his ecclesia and we honor him with our presence and with our tithe. And it's through that that God will grow this church right out of one of the hardest seasons we will ever experience in our life. But listen, he's positioned you to do it. We sing a song around here, like, if you're still living, he ain't done. Something like that. I know I just messed that lyric up. <laughs> what, what is it? If, 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 if what, somebody help me, singers. Huh? That came from a kid. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? From the balcony, a kid. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Say that with me. If I'm not dead, you're not done. The Bible says out of the mouths of babes, he's ordained praise. That, that, was, a, that was a holy moment right there. Wow. If I'm not dead, if you're not dead, and, and as far as I can tell, most of you anyway, you don't look dead. He's not done with you. And some of you came to church today just needing to hear that. He's not done with you. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. So what do you say? Come on, what do you say? We lean in. We let God's word shake us today. We shake off complacency. And we get back engaged like never before with our presence and with our resources so that his glory and renown and fame can spread to the ends of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Amen, and amen, and amen.